Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Right, Joe, we are back in the OC, and we are joined by someone who is at the exact same point of their OC journey that I'm currently on, uh, my longtime friend and frequent co-host, Brooke, now Bannon, Brooke Bannon, uh, joining us to talk about it's real brooke the rest it's real it's real oh, yes it, it brooke, is. i'm not sure if you know joe but joe is a longtime disneydo and one of the only loyal roaring 20 listeners you mean the only Roaring <laughs> yeah because even you and andrew don't well, listen thank you, to your joe. own show <laughs> no i don't i can't i can't hear myself talk so joe i've got some some real interesting news and this will be the first time brooke hears this information too oh god well no you know this you don't know this about joe uh, Joe, I gotta tell you, I know Julie Cooper's your favorite character in all of the OC, but she does not get any points from me on this episode, even a little bit. <laughs> there's a reason why I wanted Brooke on this episode, because there's, there's a lot of, like, weird mother-daughter stuff, and I feel that we need to have, like, we need to have, like, a woman on to talk about that. Well, I'm, I'm happy to do this for you. <laughs> so I also appreciate Brooke that you are in the same journey, right? Like you, you watched all the episodes leading up to this had never <laughs> seen an episode of the OC. Never, never. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad that you're on that same journey because as a, as a seasoned watcher of it, and as someone who has had like, you know, like almost two decades of distance um, away from when I first watched it, Julie Cooper is one of my favorite characters, and she has one of my favorite arcs. But like, when I rewatched this in COVID, this is the episode where I start to really—I don't know if it's just because I was just like rethinking my entire life during during like 2020, but this is the Same. episode where I started to really kind of endear myself to Julie Cooper, and we can get into it. And I know we will. We should. Yeah, because I'm like, <laughs> but like, I have literally, yeah. Joe, I have two notes back to back that says, "Goddamn, Julie Cooper sucks," and that's when she walks in and tells, like, Ryan that he shouldn't be there. Hey, she shouldn't be having any guests, and she's like talking to Jimmy about like, how could you let people visit right now? And then, not more than twenty seconds later, I write down, "Oh, sorry, I spoke too soon." Julie Cooper fucking sucks. Uh, when she pulls Ryan to the side and she's like, my daughter was so happy until you came into her life and everything is terrible now. And I'm like, man, what a beautiful, like, 
white woman sitting on her pedestal looking down without understanding a single thing about happiness, mental health, or how her like child's life is. And just being like, this mm-hmm. one kid came from Chino and now everything's terrible. And she was so mm-hmm. much happier when she was complacent in a loveless, abusive relationship. I have so many questions about the, the show as a whole um, and how we got yeah. here. Uh, but for me, the most whole, I mean, this episode is pretty funny, all things considered. But we start the episode learning that, uh, what's her name, Marissa? Was airlifted? Was airlifted <laughs> from Tijuana? Not, that can't be a thing. Like, it just can't. Like, How first, does that happen? First of all, like, first of all, the racism, because, like, they have... They have amazing healthcare down there. Like I know, like as a as a San Diego local, there are plenty of people who like go to TJ for for their for like their doctor's appointments, dentists, like plastic surgery, all of that stuff. Like it's it, they have a good good enough good enough for people with money. Let's put it that way, right? So the fact that she was like airlifted across a border, <laughs> exact across a border. Yeah, so like doesn't make any sense to me. Also, it's the next the next day is like school starts. <laughs> I didn't even know it was summertime. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I thought Seven they were episodes in, in Brooke, and it's the time. summer. Like they haven't even gone like to they they the first day of school at Harbor is this episode, and it's the eight it's eight episodes into like a twenty something episode season. I thought for sure they were already in yeah, school. It's chaos. Th- this was brand new to me. This episode, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, they haven't been in school this whole time. No, but you you are correct in be in being like, yeah, the 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 fact that you would airlift people out, and and something I didn't mention in the last episode, Tijuana, like at this time, right? So like at this time, the historically in for in the region right people are not going to tj in the same way uh as they did in like the late 90s like my cousin was a was a college student at san diego state in like the late 90s and so he would like they would go all the time to tijuana um but at this time post because it's post 9 11 right post 9 11 post iraq war you don't see it as much the violence the get the like cartel violence in tj is a little escalated right at this at this point so there's a novelty to it but it is also kind of like a socalism to like do that to like go to tj because also when you're 18 or when you're like at a certain at a certain age you can drink it right. before 21 and that's why people would go but yeah the the idea of like they're being airlifted out and also like airlifted to newport beach which is easily like 150 miles away from the border maybe more like <laughs> that that just makes like they would they it, it, at the very least we would have airlifted her to a hospital in san diego right like or right, somehow exactly. gotten her to a, like that like there's no reason for her to have gone like you know again people with money so it the money thing but like because in the structure of the show you kind of forgot about the fact that like there was a week or two weeks in between episodes right so like you know the we we kind of oh yeah they were airlifted out I'm like okay great <laughs> i guess that's believable yeah, it definitely, I think it helps to have that week-long break in between because you forget mm-hmm. about things like that. Uh, but I did not have that luxury, and I was just immediately like, what the hell is this? And we went from Ryan doing his Jesus hold of her at the end of the episode <laughs> to suddenly they're in Newport Beach. 
He, and it was just you very were like, did he run me. her back to Newport Beach? Well, office? I was like, how? Like, where are they? This doesn't make sense. I thought they'd be in like a San Diego or maybe a hospital outside Tijuana or something. No, they're just all the way back in Newport. And I was like, this, yeah, this is insane. Also, how long has she been there? They're talking about how you know she can't have visitors. She needs her rest. And like, if they pump your stomach and then they pretty much kick you out, like maybe hospitals were different in two thousand three. I wasn't really in there much. I mean, but this is also this is also <laughs> a rich a, a rich neighborhood hospital, so they might just want to try to keep you as long as they can to get that true that money. True. Um, so many of my notes are just how much Julie Cooper stressed me the fuck out in this episode. <laughs> like every time that she was on screen, I was shaking. <laughs> I mean, it's so that whole dynamic between Julie, Jimmy, and, and Marissa is so toxic. Yes, it's insane, Julie. Like. One, Joe, I got to learn why you like Julie because I, eight episodes in, I do not see it. Um, Oh, trust me. You have to, you will, you may also like Julie at the end of the series. So I don't know if that's an incentive for you to get through because like. You know how people always talk about the OC character arcs in the same breath as Game of Thrones where they're just. Like the characters that you hate, you learn to love. She does a lot of pretty like there. There are she's the villain. Like you know, she's she's definitely the villain parts. But in this episode, okay, so I'm gonna make the case right now. Are you ready? Are you ready yes, for I'm it, ready. ladies and gentlemen? The case of Julie Cooper, Cooper is presented by Joe Farron. Here we go. So here, everybody, ju- ladies and gentlemen of the jury. So <laughs> J- Julie Cooper at this point, right? Like she, yes, she's exhibiting like gold digger tendencies, but. In this particular moment, the one thing that kind of rings true to me and and something I didn't pick up in the beginning of watching it, because you're just kind of focused on like you're focused on her narrative that she's the person who doesn't want them to be together and by, you know, and de facto becomes the villain. But something that she is, is that she is like she really does care about Marissa and in her mind, right, like there at the end of the episode, to fast forward a little bit, like R- Ryan brings up the fact that like you're from Riverside, I'm from Chino, we're basically the same. We basically come from two different worlds. You've just been in this world longer. And so it's one, it's like the hatred of where you came from. So like her being like just trailer trash from trailer trash from from Riverside. Two, it's the fact that she does care about her daughter, but it's a complicated thing because it's like she also cares about the status of being in the Newport area. Hence, like, why Jimmy embezzles <laughs> and, like, to pay for the horse and to pay for all, you know, pay for the, you know, alopecia pony um, and all of these things. But I can't deny that she is someone who who is actually concerned about her um, her daughter. Now, does she go about it in some crazy banana ways? Like, oh, you know what would be really good for her is to send her to San Diego, like to send her like two and a half, one hour away from her family <laughs> and just like, you know, to basically institutionalize her. Yeah, that's very dramatic. And but like, I don't question that it does come from a place of like actually wanting her to get better. Upon a set, upon like my what fourth or fifth rewatch of like this episode in my lifetime, I see a little bit more of like no, it, I kind of read a little bit more like yeah, she is trying to get Ryan away from her, but like also from like a parent standpoint, why wouldn't you want her close to monitor her as opposed to like 
sending her to an institution which like they could go visit her no ma- like you know what i mean like it's much yeah. it's a better it, it's better to keep her close <laughs> than it is to like send her away and then whatever happens happens um but like you do get for me it's the beginning of like julie cooper will do anything for her kids and she is misguided in what that goodness means but it is what she knows Uh, right i agree and like let's be clear and then like i don't think julie is a villain for divorcing jimmy i think what jimmy did is his own problem and he deserves to have his family taken from him Mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens like fuck around and find out he fucked around he fucked around and now he's finding out right mm-hmm. so that's fine i'm on her side with that and like i just like her for how she treats other people the sending mm-hmm. marissa away to san diego bit obviously it's a shitty thing to do but i think for 2003 you know the awareness around mental health and how you kind of handle trauma is very different from nowadays so i think like in 2003 it's like oh yeah you need to like go somewhere and seek treatment for these kinds of things where now we're like okay you go to a therapist regularly you can work with Mm -hmm. someone close to home like you don't need to go be institutionalized so i get that but i think there's also a level of control julie's trying to take back because jimmy took so much of that from her but she's still a bitch, okay? Yes. And it's because she blames Ryan for all of these things. And I just want to know, what kind of relationship do Marissa and Ryan even freaking have? The two have like barely interacted, quite honestly. And any interaction they do have just ends in a fist fight between Ryan and Luke anyway. (laughs) So like, why is she blaming everything on Ryan? Like, I just don't, I do not understand that for the life of me. Yeah, they went on, they've basically, at this point, right, they've been on one date. He he betrayed her but didn't really betray her because they're not dating she like, had a boyfriend yeah she like, had, a she's had a boyfriend the whole time yeah like she she's like it's like i'm upset that like you had a consensual sexual encounter with someone um even though i'm with technically have a boyfriend so like they've been on They've been on one date. They have a lot of chemistry, but like it's they're not official. Like nothing's official about it yet. But it and and Julie, but see, like Julie being who she is does read into that, right? She knows that, oh, this, if I don't like stamp this out right now, this is gonna be a thing. Um, and I would rather it not be a thing because of like, you know, uh it, it coincides with like, you know, all the shit happens when Ryan comes to town. I'm like, no, it was already kind of brewing. I mean, Jimmy was definitely stealing from people That's before right, Ryan well. came to town ta- <laughs> before Ryan came to town. So it was all it was all it was all gonna come to head anyway. But you're you're right, Brooke. Like it's why laser focused on Ryan. And I think again, it has to do with the fact that like she she hates that aspect of herself, right? She hates where she's from. She she desperately wanted a life, um, uh, desperately wanted a different life, a life where she didn't have to struggle, where her kids don't have to struggle. And like seeing Ryan come in and causing all of this chaos, it's already like very, it's already hanging by a thread. Everything right. is already endangered and hanging by a thread. So the one thing she can control, which is like her children, is by, you know, or at least she thinks she can, um, is by sending him away and then sending eventually Marisa, Marissa away. Um, Matt, what are, like, given what I said, like, what, like, rebuttal? Like, <laughs> I just, there's some, this whole episode, I'm going to say this right now. This is my least favorite episode I've watched so far. It stressed me out 
way too much for me to find enjoyment out of it. Um, for me, it's just, there's something about, I mean, you said this in a previous episode, she's got the worst case of RBF that I've ever seen in my life. So every time she enters mm -hmm. a scene, she already tragic. just has this like scowl across her face that just makes me immediately be like, fuck you, Julie Cooper. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she says some shit and it, and it is, I understand that she is coming from the perspective of the information as she sees it and as she knows it. She doesn't know that Luke is a total fuck boy that's been like just fucking every everyone else seems to everybody know that. oh according to Holly everyone everybody but Marissa was aware of this information in TJ. But uh <laughs> the like the like she doesn't know that Ryan is a sweet sweet boy. All she knows is that he's been in Juvie twice in the eight episodes that this show has been on the air uh and one of them was for burning down a model home uh so there's yeah. there's a whole lot going on there i do love i really do love uh ryan specifically at the end of this episode um first of all i love that he calls up daddy cohen for some advice uh that just makes my heart sore how much like those two get along but that yeah he's like look I'm going to lay this out for you in the best way that I can possibly lay this out for you. Uh, and, you know, even even Sandy's just like, look, man, you stood up to the dragon lady known as Julie Cooper. Like, you're good because he was like nervous about taking the test. He's like, you, you just stood up to Julie Cooper. You're going to be fine on this test, dude. I'm open to the idea that my mind will change. But no, the mind has not changed at this moment of watching the show. I was, there was a moment when like I was kind of like oh maybe she's not the worst and it was during that confrontation with Ryan and Sandy and then eventually Marissa when she kind of like you know Ryan did the the dirty work of like saying all the things that needed to be said to mm -hmm. Julie um but I think when Marissa kind of like confirmed and you could see Julie like soften a little bit to her and as much as she didn't like what Marissa was saying to her she kind of like let it go and and understood like okay this is what my daughter wants and to your point joe like i think she does want what's best for her daughter mm -hmm, even if mm -hmm. it goes against what she believes to be the best thing so that was like one moment where i was like okay maybe there's hope for her eventually sure. but like with this tragic 2003 makeup and styling like i just can't get <laughs> past how terrible she is uh in, in other parts of the show thus far but matt you brought up the test and i was so mad at ryan for leaving that test oh, yeah. to go break Marissa out of a hospital. Like you're making dumb decision after dumb decision. Mm -hmm. And for what have they even kissed yet? Have they kissed yet? Did they kiss by the pool? I can't remember if they, no, I don't think they have yet in the model home. I they think it's, right? it's, it's very, will they won't. No, they. I thought they yeah. kissed when he actually had the date where he was like grilling, making grilled cheese for, her and they sat by the pool. Or did they get interrupted before they kissed? I'm no, because like I think it was this episode that like she kissed him on the cheek. Or oh something. yeah, no. The so I was like, no. have they really not kissed yet? No, they haven't because the kiss is coming. Up. Oh, I think uh, building to I the think kiss. their kiss is coming up. <laughs> so I do want to write down. I I put money down on what I thought Brooke's favorite joke in this episode was going to be. Um, okay. Summer walks into Seth's room, and she's making fun of all the stuff that he has and then she picks up a horse toy and he's like that's not mine and she goes come on what's his name and he just goes it's captain oates now let's keep moving <laughs> like... 
Well, she picked up the the horse and she was like, "What's this?" And I was like, "That's clearly a buckskin appaloosa somewhere." Like, you idiot. <laughs> She's like, "What's its name?" And I was like, "I would have named it Scout." And then he was like, "Mr. Oates." I was like, "That's good too." So I, you, I was are you a horse girl. Are you a oh, horse girl? I am. There's, I am. So let me 100%. tell you a little bit about my best friend over here, Brooke. At one point, her goal was to combine her love of horse riding and her love of journalism to specifically cover horse races. I did for like two yeah. years. Then that was my job. Then, I was a journalist on the horse racing. Then circuit. she found out it wasn't very lucrative. Really? <laughs> no, it doesn't pay <laughs> shit. Um, and there were no benefits. So see, horse girl, that's that's the podcast right there. Yeah, I, I am a horse girl. I would I like to defend myself and say I'm not like your typical horse girl. Like I'm much <laughs> I'm cooler. different. I'm a different okay? kind of horse girl. <laughs> I'm really cool. Um I'm def I was definitely not one of those girls that was like I had all the horse things handed to me growing up. My parents had four kids and one income, not that kind of money. So I I worked like a little child slave labor to be able to ride um, all the time. And my parents did everything they could mm -hmm. to make sure that I could keep doing that. So, And that's why Horse Sense is her favorite Disney com. <laughs> it is because it has, I thought they were all so cute and it had horses. I was like, this is fantastic. Along with the Frontier Brothers uh, or Brothers Frontier. That's what it was. Uh, that had all three of them and horses, you know. Uh, horse sense is probably up in my top uh i don't i don't it's in my top 10 but it's not in my top five um it's the one where she can talk to horses um oh is that like, the one with like thunder jam um, yeah yeah and they can talk that's oh, right it's the name of the, you remember the name of the horse <laughs> but we don't remember yeah. it's all i also remember is that ready like to run. ready to she's mexican ready to run that's right oh that yeah it's the dixie Jet. ready ready to run <laughs> um but they have the the um what is it? she's like mexican and like her dad who died you know because there's always a dad who dies always, yeah um she, he had uh what did the grandma say the el, the la confianza de ecaballos the the the, the horse confidence the confidence of horses and i was like ah yeah. oh, i love this um sorry uh, had to do a little decom like had to do a little decom pivot again can always do that too so, so brooke as someone who like again to derail us even further so as a horse person what do you think about all of like this like side bit of like caitlin needing like a horse with alopecia and like how much riding lessons and all of that stuff caught like uh, basically so, her, her like equestrian lifestyle for a tween <laughs> i i missed a little bit of this like alopecia thing so like what was that like because she's allergic well it's basically that like um she has a pony at the stables her name the pony's name china. is china yes it's one of the things in the early episodes of this season where we're where we're we're starting to figure out the reasons why jimmy's stealing the money because it's like you know i need the check for the stables you know china has alopecia we need to like go to the vet and all this stuff and i was like do horses i mean i imagine if you have hair you can get alopecia uh but like as as someone who like you know grew up around horses and you said like you you basically engaged in like white slavery to like have a horse <laughs> like what to, to do riding like what kind of money are we talking about and and then granted like this this is 2003 money and it's southern california which is which we don't have we don't really have a horse riding culture um, unless you kind of grew up around it, like certain places in California, yes, because it's more rural, more country. So, but like we, and, and, you know, we are the wild west. So like, it's kind of there, but it's not, 
really there. So Brooke, as a horse person, like speak a little bit to that. So for, well, I mean, having a horse in any capacity is extraordinarily expensive. Um, They are creatures that will do anything to kill themselves. Let me tell you. Uh, So it is just a constant vet bill, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very expensive. I've never encountered a horse with alopecia. It can happen, but very treatable. It's not like some dire situation. Like you get a special shampoo and you treat the affected area. Sometimes there's a medication, but it's not the super involved, you know, financially straining thing by and large. I assume there could be cases where it's really intense and and maybe more money, but I think this was blown a little out of proportion. And if they really wanted to, you know, up the ante, they could have been like, you know, her horse has vertebrae out of alignment or has, you know, problems with his stifles or hocks and he needs injections in them. Those are very common, like high maintenance issues with a horse, especially if you're competing or riding regularly. So they could have done better there. Um, Having been a tween in riding, like it is your life. It is all you want to do. So I assume that little Shailene Woodley, her (laughs) her character of Caitlin, um, just like, I mean, we like never see her. We've seen her like once, maybe twice. She just stays at the barn. She's a barn rat. And in in California, in the and she was riding English based on her attire. So she's probably going to be a hunter jumper. She's going to be showing based on what her parents had. She's going to have all the elite stuff. Um, that is like a, a little bit of an elitist cult. Um, when you get into those high ranking like hunter jumper mm-hmm. you know, circuits, uh, they were probably spending a shit ton of money yeah. on that. Like thousands of dollars a month would be my prediction. Did you write English or Western? English. Okay. Mm-hmm. I grew up uh, riding dressage and then in like middle school, I switched over to do the the hunters and jumpers and then competed in that all the way uh, through college. All right. I love this. this. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. this because of a Seth Cohen joke. I know all that for, you know, the buckskin Appaloosa <laughs> Briar model horse. That he has. Um, I, <laughs> Which I hope that you continue to watch Brooke because Captain Oates shows up many I times. Was, more. I was he? actually going to ask. So at this time, point in time brooke and i are at the exact same spot of the show i won't start episode nine until we know when we're going to record the episode nine episode um but i'm curious brooke are you are you pausing at this point are you just going to keep on rolling with the oc fun it's fun because uh my my husband andy was watching with me last night because he kind of like saw pieces of the oc as it was airing he was in high school when it came out so it was like this huge cultural thing that I very much missed out on. He was like, Oh, like, do you think you're going to keep watching? And I was like, no. And then like today I was like, I kind of <laughs> watching because what, because I was thinking of it in this sense of like, I know that you're going to be back on a future episode for sure. So I'm like, is she going to pause and wait until I'm like, Hey, here's the next episode you're going to do and do a giant binge or the next time that you come on, are you going to have, closer to joe's level of knowledge of character growth and i'm going to be the odd man out i i will probably keep watching not as like i really binged over the past um few days i don't know that i'll keep up quite that level of a binge but i'll probably keep it pretty steady i just think this shit with marissa and ryan is so stupid and hilarious they're like i gotta see where it goes i'm like they haven't even kissed yet like yeah. What happens after they kiss for the first time? How much more dramatic? Like someone's already been shot. Someone's OD'd accidentally. There's a divorce. There's an embezzling. There's arson. Carjacking. And they weren't even like, in school else? yet. It's all yes. the summer, yeah. right? Let, let, me like, you, let me ask you that, Brooke, because, you know, again, you and I are in the same spot right now. 
I have been a amazed at how much has happened in such a short period of time. So and much. was also really shocked by how few episodes there actually are of this show that in my mind ran for like 10 years, but was like how many episodes are in a season? There's 20 on average. I think it's 25, like 24, 23 on average. Mm-hmm. There's only 92 episodes across four seasons. Like it's for 2003, a very short run of episodes. I was going to say they don't make them like that anymore with the 20 episodes. Oh, no. Letter Kenny you know, drops six episodes and it's like, good luck. Wait, wait nine more months for the next match. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching Handmaid's Tale right now and it's like, you know, 10 episodes a season if that yeah. so i don't i i think that 10 now is becoming the excessive number you're like oh you couldn't tell this in eight it's stupid. <laughs> uh, but yeah uh episode eight and school's finally sorry i thought school's happening yeah. the whole time so. i just have my my biggest beef if i do have one with this episode because it is my least favorite episode so far is like you got the julie cooper of it all and that like sucks up so much anxiety like so much stuff like i wrote down at one point, I can't even wrap my head around so much shit has happened in this episode, and I'm not even past the 50% of the episode point. Like, Julia Cooper rolls in, gives Ryan a bunch of books. There's so much that happens just in the hospital in the first half of mm-hmm. this episode. And then just like the we've got to rescue Marissa from therapy angle or whatever was just like, this is so fucking dumb. It like, I yeah. felt like this. It would never happen. No, and this episode just felt so like, even at its most dramatic, there are like funny subplots happening that like bring some type of levity to most of the episodes. And I felt like this didn't really have it. Like beyond like the quick Captain Oates line, beyond like Summer trying to run an interference, which was basically just her rattling off a crazy dream. Like, there's not a lot of joy in this episode because it's all of the Marissa shenanigans. It's all of the Julie Cooper hates Ryan shenanigans. It's the Ryan trying to get into school shenanigans. And now we're like getting even deeper into this. Like is Sandy and Kirsten going to like implode as a couple? Mm, Don't even get me started. Well, I was going to say you texted me and let me know that you hate Kirsten and you hate Marissa. I hate Kirsten. Kirsten. I mean, we talk about Julie Cooper being like a crazy mom, but Kirsten is a little batshit, if you ask me. Like, I think part of Julie's problem, especially with like her very toxic relationship with Marissa, is that she wants Marissa to be what she never was. And so there's a mm-hmm. lot of like control uh, dynamics at play there, which suck. But Kirsten is like this, I don't want to say a covert narcissist, but she is sneaky in her behavior and her intentions like i totally get not wanting some strange boy in your house like i totally get it and so i don't fault her for that but i like that she warms up to ryan a bit but this whole like living next door to like your high school crush and being super friendly i'm like "Mm, red flag and so when all that goes down between jimmy and julie god these names are getting confusing um and she like wants to go be hero to him i'm just like oh no bitch because like sandy for everything that we've seen, he's a great dude. Oh, Sandy. He's just like a good guy. Sandy at the mm-hmm. end of the day is probably the biggest thing that keeps me watching the show is because I really am like Sandy Cohen he's is a, a great cleanser. dude. He is a great dude. He, he's a total palate cleanser compared to like the rest of these like weirdos. <laughs> so like she's telling him, like she Kirsten is like tr- 
trying to influence what job he takes a little bit and trying to use like, you know, her own wealth as like reasons for him to not do what he wants to do. Um, and I don't think she means that quite maliciously, but I think there's insecurities there and I want to know why. And then we find out why. And that's because she lets Jimmy kiss her and then like totally downplays it and doesn't even tell Sandy. Like, even if it was something that was like, hey, it was a mistake. He's going through a lot and he just like did this stupid thing. Like you still tell your husband that, that. you be upfront about it. I've been mostly pro Kirsten throughout this. I didn't like her in the first episode. I didn't like how much she hated Ryan pretty much since she visited Ryan in juvie and like became endeared to Ryan. I've I've been on a like, yay, Kirsten track. But the moment that like he comes into the house and is like, she is my coworker. There's nothing there. You need to not be crazy. I don't get weirded out by like you and Jimmy because I know nothing happens between the two of you. And she gives that look and he's like, did something happen? And then she just flat out denies and lies. I'm like, ooh, bad call. Like that is the prime time to be like, Jimmy kissed me. I, I shut it down. It wasn't a romantic thing. And I've been trying to keep as much of a distance from him since. It would have been like, all right, cool. Cause it's not like yeah. Sandy Cohen's a guy who's going to like go next door, not bang on the door and beat the shit out of Jimmy Cooper. Like I like, can't even do that. Cause he's not yeah, there anymore. But, he's not next door, so. but like, you know what I mean? Like that's not the Sandy Cohen style. Like Sandy Cohen already doesn't like him. It would just be more of a reason to not like Jimmy Cooper and keep mm-hmm. moving on with his life. It's just, it was really gross to me that she did that. Didn't tell Sandy and then had the audacity yeah. Who then like accuse him of having something with what was her name Rachel? But do you think that that's guilt from his? Do you think job? that's internalized guilt? Yes, coming out? absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's her own guilt, and so that I was like, "You suck. You so, really kind of suck." <laughs> so, Brooke, what you're saying is that you know, did you catch? So, you're, what you're saying is Kirsten's covert narcissism is disguised as altruism, like some kind of yes, congressman. Okay, exactly. You know. <laughs> The next line, she better say, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. And if she doesn't, I'm not continuing the series. I think that my favorite text last night is Brooke and I were just kind of rattling off the insanity of episode eight. It just goes, I'm glad her daddy fired her. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I think he had every right to fire her ass. She thinks like she runs the world. And I'm like, you kind of suck, honestly. I really, I, uh, and it's frustrating. Because Kirsten kind of sucks. Julie definitely sucks. And then they have the female uh, principal. Was Is it Dr. Kim? Yeah, Dr. Megan. Kim. Yeah. Um, and she sucks too. <laughs> She's like judgmental. Yeah. and A weird just, flip hairdo. Like, Oh my God, just gross. <laughs> and it's just like, why are all of these adult women so nasty? Like, I really don't like how they are portraying women. And the only other woman we kind of see is what's her face? Caleb's, you know, 24. 20- 24 year old girlfriend who looks 37 um and you know she tries to get with his very pedo very like yeah it's just weird so how they're portraying adult women to me is gross um but that's kind of like early 2000s i was not prepared for this i was not prepared for (laughs) kirsten hate um (laughs) like because i actually i really like kirsten a lot she she is she tries also okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm gonna i'm about to say that i was going to say that i'm not gonna be an apologist for kirsten but i'm what i'm about to say is gonna sound like it um her dad is caleb nickel one so like you know that is probably uh, nurture and nature um to lie like that um she knows how good she has it with sandy so 
that's also a situation there. But the things, everything that happens, you know, spoiler alert, but there are things that are going to happen in their marriage as we get further along that are going to be like really cringe because it's like, this is one of the situations where it's like, we don't need to have like the marriage turmoil for drama. Like there's other things that we can do for drama besides marriage stuff. But I was just not expecting Kirsten hate. Um, and I'm so glad you brought it's up. It's only Dr. episode Kim. eight. Yes, so there's only plenty of time eight. to change. Um, I'm so glad you brought up Dr. Kim because like, what is it? Dr. Kim and Dr. Burke, like they're like, first of all, they're the two women of color that we finally see <laughs> finally. in the series. And they also are professionals, right? They're both doctors. So good for them. But like Dr. Kim being like, you know, I think you're better suited to Newport Union. Like, <laughs> it's like, I think that you should go back to the trash where the trash are yeah. from. Like, yeah, like, like I don't you. think we can um, help you here. And, and yeah. part of me wanted to be like, then your school's like not worth helping. Your school's not worth all this money we're paying if you think that you can't help someone who obviously has like is bright. But just like you, Brooke, I was like, stay there. Like the test is an hour. What is really going to happen within like an hour, hour and a half? Yeah, to they're, taking this test? they're fucking half baked escape plan that like doesn't really make that much sense to begin with. No, it doesn't make any sense. And it I just don't I don't understand why Ryan's willing to sacrifice so much for a girl he hasn't like kissed and has caused so much like strife for him. And like I mean, yeah. it's only been this summer. They've only known each other for a few yeah. weeks at best. It, it brings to mind uh, a complaint that my friend once leveled against Cloverfield, where he's like, This is an entire movie where a character drags not just himself but his best friends into complete and total danger for a girl who broke up with him like that is like like what are you that's doing? what we're seeing <laughs> like what are you doing this girl broke and also your heart and you're moving tomorrow like it's not like like why are you sacrificing all of this it doesn't make any sense it's the I... love of his life matt mm. don't you remember <laughs> they're on the train to coney island come on yeah, exactly like it's just that no i agree with you like that stuff drives me absolutely nuts and it does make me feel like am i just not a romantic like i'm just like ooh, gross go to school <laughs> like... i mean i think maybe so i think when this was out lots teens are watching it yeah. right and i think teenagers eat that kind of like drama up i mean look at romeo and juliet right like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff sells to them because that is romance in their mind because they don't know any better like, sure. their brains are not fully formed so i think it works for teens but as adults watching it we can be like this is so like you are really dumb yeah look look at your life look at your, look choices. At your choices how embarrassing for and you. also um, but teens don't see it like that they're like this is this is my everything and she's gonna go to san diego and i need to say yeah and up, this is <laughs> this is a girl who like over the course of look marissa episodes two through five i kind of get it right sure marissa who like walks in on you having a very weird pedo pedo kiss and just to suddenly in a blink of an <laughs> eye is like well i'm gonna lose my virginity to this fuck boy that i used to date then or like uh oh mommy and daddy are getting divorced so let me down a bunch of painkillers and go out drinking like not exactly mm -hmm. a sure bet and maybe does need to be under some supervision <laughs> girl has some issues like, and rightfully so um yeah what, but not stigmatizing troubled. her issues just saying maybe you're not <laughs> yes. the best person to deal with Mental her troubles health, right yes. now. yeah 
And similarly yeah. with Summer. Yeah. I w- so I knew nothing about the show when it came out, but I knew about Rachel Bilson and all these people seemed to love her. And so I thought Summer was going to be this great, like lovable character that comes on. And then I was like, what the fuck? Same girl. <laughs> like this bitch. Like I, oh my God, she gets on my nerves. I do. I like that she softened towards Seth in, you know, episode seven when they thought Marissa was dead, which odd that they showed barely any concern. <laughs> they didn't even run to her. They thought she was dead. But yeah. They anyway. didn't like go to help Ryan like Jesus carry her. Like, oh my god, so stupid. <laughs> He's got it. He's got it. Yeah. Um, but I was so she softened towards Seth in this episode, which you know, long overdue. I thought she's been terrible to him, but like I just can't. Like I don't. So Holly said everyone knew about Luke cheating. Did Summer know? Also, Summer's the one who had the fucking pills. So why isn't Julie directing her anger at Summer? Yeah. And Summer's mm-hmm. mom, because they were Summer's mom's pills. So, like, what the, like, we're just going to gloss over that. We're just going to pretend it never happened. Yeah. yeah. And it's all Ryan's fault. I don't get yeah, it. No, and none of it, none of it makes sense. But, I mean, I can't wait to see what happens <laughs> next at the exact same point. And that's what is the most frustrating thing about this fucking show <laughs> is that I would, what, I, I feel like it's lucky that I'm doing this as a podcast because I think that if I was watching it in real time, there would have been a point where I'm just like, I am done with these kids from Newport Beach and need to just mm-hmm. move on to something else. They are very frustrating. And the adults are frustrating too. Yeah. Except for Sandy. It's it's really just about Sandy and Seth for me still at this point. Like the Well, my problem with Sandy is he's a bit of a pushover. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as Kirsten was like, What's you know, insinuated that something was going on with Rachel, I would have had to, you know, put that bitch on notice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let her know. I'd have to let her know. I think it's fine. I think he could do that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey. Do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. All right, so let's dive into uh, probably the easiest version of this segment we've ever done which is figuring out what the song of the episode is because man, there was like almost no songs in this episode. We got three. Uh, Paul Westerberg did the song, Mr. Rabbit that's playing when summer comes into Seth's room and starts fucking with captain Oaks. Uh, air did the song lay femme de regard. I think I got that right. Who knows? That's playing probably, probably terrible. Uh, that's playing in the restaurant when uh, Sandy gets ambushed by Jimmy and Kirsten. And then in the final scene, we hear 
Guster's Keep It Together. I think we're all just going to pick the Guster song since it was the only song that even got a spotlight of, of the three. Um, but Brooke, you did have a, I texted you a little too late. You had already watched the episode and I was like, oh, by the way, we, yeah. pick, a, we pick a song of the episode. You were like, there were songs in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, there were songs. Like, I don't even remember. But my husband pointed out, he's like, oh, this is a Guster song. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go with that one. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, it's the one I wrote down. I, I do uh, love Guster uh, and this is, uh, pretty much off the most mainstream album they ever had, so which I think was also called "Keep It Together." It's the one with the hummingbird on the cover. But uh, oh, I love hummingbirds. Yeah, but yeah, good song, good good band. How about you, Joe? Are you gonna go against us? Or are you also? Oh, no, it's the Guster <laughs> song. Uh, <laughs> I do remember episode one. I think it is. Uh, All yeah. my Jack Swing Swing was on there, and I was like, "Fuck that's, yeah!" So that's the Let's thing that this. I'm waiting for. And according to Joe and last week's guest, they have promised that like, if you get to about midway through season one and then beyond that point you will have these like it's 2004 type songs just yeah. like blasting out. did i just uh, i have a playlist of like music like from like 2003 and it's called did i just walk into a hollister because <laughs> yes. it's gonna be like that it's gonna be like you know i remember because it comes from the first time i ever walked into a hollister it was like I, you walk in and it's like dark and you know mm-hmm. the cologne and everything and the song and it literally as i was walking in it's the opening guitar riff of um dare you to move (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the planet i'm like where am i (laughs) that's an experience it was it was very experiential and i have to give it to hollister for that specific for that reason alone so hollister killed it in the early 2000s with that like very immersive experience good for so i had a friend who was in a band called racing kites and they never blew up but they were like they would do the warp tour they would play at the bamboozle festivals they were always like being scouted but never signed but they somehow got onto like hollister and aprakami fitch radio like when they had that touch screen so my my friend would call me up sometimes and be like do you want to go to the king of prussia mall and we would be there for eight hours because he would walk into the stores put his song on like the radio the store jukebox walk to the next store put one of their songs on the radio jukebox we'd grab some like annie ann's pretzels and then just do that again for like eight hours because they were getting paid like two cents a play inside the stores or whatever and that was like him trying to make even a little bit of money off of his bands his bands uh matt I do something similar. When I go to the Apple store, I go to all the phones and I open the podcast and I download Fright School onto everything. <laughs> I have done everything. the same thing inside of and Apple. I, store. And I have like five stars, <laughs> five stars, everything. Fraud. That's what I'm hearing. That's, well, <laughs> speaking of uh, the Fright School. I hear school. enterprising hustler, but then, you know, I'm not Anna Delvey. <laughs> I, so. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> None of us can be Anna Delvey. All right, so Jeez. speaking of Joe's podcast fraud, uh, Brooke, let's talk about what you have to promote. Uh, have you ever been on a podcast as a regular co-host or maybe some shows oh, that we God, could try it's... to revive? Will you ever be on a podcast? <laughs> Yeah, will I ever be uh, a co-host on a regular podcast? I see um, the Yeti mic, so she knows what she's doing, okay? I, yep, I see. I, I took it seriously once upon a time. Um, I used to be a, a co-host on a regular podcast on two of them, actually. The first one being Disneyto, uh, which is a very fun, you know, adults-only Disney podcast. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but listen to it, and it will. Um, 
And My friend Daniel was... says hello, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I bet he does. <laughs> I bet he does. Daniel. That guy. If a podcast could have a villain, many a time. If there could be a villain of a podcast, it would have been Daniel in the Disney. No, I love, I love that he was so interactive. He's he's a good time. I love Daniel, but I love to give him a hard time. (laughs) That's like my favorite thing. Um, So Disney, and then obviously Roaring Twenties. Hopefully that one comes back soon. But it's all about talking about the dumb shit you do in your twenties because it is surprisingly the worst decade, and I mean that in like a fun and terrible way. When I say worse, <laughs> are you are, so okay? This is not a read or anything, but like, are you and Andrew still in your twenties? <laughs> oh, I am definitely not, uh, and he's he's running short on his days. I'm proudly in my thirties. I've loved my thirties thus far, um, so I can definitely speak on being in my twenties. Andrew's wrapping okay. up. He's yeah. got another I, three months. I've I'm working on how we're gonna bring Roaring Twenties back, and I think that is going to become a little bit more of a nostalgia and reactionary based thing where it's like you know like one of my favorite episodes of the early run was brooke and andrew going down a website list of like 20 lessons you learn in your 20s and like sharing their stories based on those lessons so i think it's going to become a lot more of like not about living in your current 20s but looking back on your 20s and what you probably could have learned from and that. having hopefully learned yeah from and hopefully place. that will also open up the door to like bring in friends as guests to talk about like the shit that they did in their 20s like it's going to be way more of a a looking back on on it as opposed to living well, in that it. was always the <laughs> the intention was to kind of get our friends and everything on there to kind of talk about what we all did in our 20s and then also i want people in their 20s to yeah. come on and talk about the dumb shit they're currently yeah. doing you need like you know like Saved by the Bell the new class. You need like yes. Roaring Twenties the new yes, class. Exactly. Um, yes. And Brooke, we end every episode because the OC was such a giant pop culture phenomenon. Uh, talking about yeah. what uh, pop culture phenomenon you're currently obsessed with. It doesn't have to be recent. It could be of any point as long as at one point it was a pop culture phenomenon. Oh, there's something happening right now. Okay. And it was hot off the press as of last night that I'm oh, I know what this up is. And just finger looking good. <laughs> and it is Greta Thunberg taking oh. down Andrew Tate. And I am I have just ascended into the heavens. Did you see the wiki it page? It is the update? most beautiful thing. Uh oh, with like loss. Yeah, with like his MMA record. Hell yeah, I did. It is just the greatest, like, like fucking karma, baby. Like you are an first of all, like you got fucking rocked, dude. Just let it go. And then to expose yourself so hard mm-hmm. through a pizza box. Like how like how embarrassing for you, you giant piece of shit. Like, okay, so this God. was gonna be mine as well. Um, but only because so I just want to talk about it because like I he was on the run for human trafficking. Like, can you can you explain a little bit of like why the authorities were looking for him and why he was in hiding to begin with? I guess because that I don't understand. Yeah, that was new. Like, and I know like to me actually. <laughs> yeah, I also don't like Greta. Like, you know, Greta picks fights with people in the best way, and I just like I love that. Um, I I love that. That's where we are in our world. Is that like this? Like you know, the teenage environmentalists you know, will like, you know, basically chastises world leaders, but then also will like come for you on Twitter. Did you see her tweet but, like, today why? that was like, don't forget to recycle your pizza box? <laughs> yeah. 
Because he said in his video, he's like, I'm not going to recycle these. And she's like, mm, this is why you should. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you should, like, just take the pizza out of the box Ed, before you, you know, expose yourself on the internet. But, like, what? So he was human trafficking? Like, wh- why was he being hunted? So I'm not sure of all the details. I've just been really enjoying all the roasts of him. But there is, he, he's been pretty well known to be in connection with people that do some pretty shady things. Like, think mm-hmm. very Epstein-ish. Um, kind of like the dealing of young women and just treating them horribly. He's been involved with men like that. I mean, his whole platform is based off of like, you know, just completely debasing women and making them these objects and being an alpha male. He's trash. Anyway, he made a video, um, and I don't know how long ago it was, but talking about how he was going to move to Romania because they had more lax, like, rape laws Mm. in Romania. So a woman... And he cited the Me Too movement as his excuse to go over there. Uh, so a woman, you know, if you're accused of rape in Romania and, you know, the, the authorities go to the man after it's been reported and they're like, hey, did you did you do this? He can be like, oh, no, I thought it was totally consensual. Like, I didn't mm. know that she wasn't into it. And they'll, they'll just drop it. So that's why he wanted to move there. Uh, and he says that in the video that he wanted to be free and that the Me Too movement um, doesn't protect protect women. It's just destroyed the safety of men. And so he was going to go to Romania. And obviously, with his connections, they were kind of like, mm, no, fuck you. We don't really want you around. So I guess at some point recently, he went over there and they didn't know. Um, there were like rumors about him being there, but no one could confirm. And then uh, after his little video with the pizza box from the Romanian pizza chain, um, they, they got his ass yeah. uh, in connection with this whole investigation. And he just admitted that, like, he has intention to do that, right? So, like, yeah. so his lax laws, <laughs> the lax laws don't apply to him because he literally told on himself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Had, and, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you can't, like, I'm, it's like uh, transporting a minor, you know, to a state that has, like, um, lo- uh, lower age of consent in order to have sex with them. Right, right. Like, right. It, yeah, your intention and like the, is to the investigation the was, you know, done, I think, across several countries, maybe, but mostly in the U.S. So it's like they'll mm-hmm. probably extradite him back here mm-hmm. um, for, for trial. I, I think he's going to get got in jail, which like, yeah, darn. I probably shouldn't say that. I shouldn't wish death upon anyone, but like mm-hmm. karma is a bitch. Um, hopefully he's, you know, a bottom for Wendy somebody. Williams over yeah. here being like death to all of them. Yeah. Like, Man, <laughs> this really, uh, you guys totally in sync with your yeah. pop culture phenomenon. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm just it's... here to shamelessly promote that at the time we're recording this season five of the circle just started up and, uh, I'm all in yet again on this dumb reality game show that I love so much. It's like you have like this, it's like you think it's your show and so you have to promote it and it's like you don't have to Well, but I I mean, it's becoming my show. I've never seen (laughs) an episode of The Circle. Joe, me either, and I don't intend to. I feel like the two of you would love The Circle so much more than you realize because it's like, it's all the things that you love about like a trashy reality show mixed with all the things that make a show like Survivor so interesting to watch because it is so much about like, strategy and gameplay at the same time um so that for those of you who don't know because netflix has just like stopped promoting what the fuck this show is anymore it's eight people in an apartment they can't see each other they can't speak to each other the only way that they can communicate is through like a social media app called the circle and they can choose to go in as themselves or go in catfishing as somebody else 
and throughout a series of conversations and like forced activities through the app, people try to basically suss out like who isn't being genuine. And also they try to plant seeds of deceit. This just feels like real life talking. I have like anxiety listening to this. But (laughs) it's so like, what's nice is that the more wholesome the people are, the more untouchable they are. So like you get very invested in just seeing like good people rise to the top and like bad people sink to the absolute bottom. See, as a gay man who uses sex apps and is constantly trying to figure out if I'm being catfished, I feel like this is like very close to reality. (laughs) This, I don't know. I think I would just have like, you know, anxiety. Trust issues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I need love is blind, but I need it to be people who are just regular looking, yes. like not models. Or <laughs> oh, you mean like not like that show Sexy Beasts where it's like they're made up to look ugly. But guess what? Every one of them is a they're model underneath. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, they're all hot. It's so stupid. It's like we're going to show that the, the beauty is what's on the inside. But also, don't worry. They're all pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well... You're going to bag a hobby. It's fine. <laughs> well, that is episode eight. Thank you so much, Brooke, for not just watching the episode, but like watching seven episodes leading up to it to really enhance the conversation. Gotta do what you gotta do, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we will be back next week with even more white people problems. Probably, probably... <laughs> Geekscape Network.